I've been thinking about laws on Mars. There's an international treaty saying no country can lay claim to anything that's not on Earth. And by another treaty, if you're not in any country's territory, maritime law applies. So Mars is international waters. Now, NASA is an American non-military organization. It owns the HAB. But the second I walk outside, I'm in international waters. So here's the cool part. I'm about to leave for the Scaparelli crater where I'm going to commandeer the Ares 4 lander. Nobody explicitly gave me permission to do this, and they can't until I'm on board the Ares 4. So that means I'm going to be taking a craft over in international waters without permission, which by definition makes me a pirate. Mark Watney, space pirate. Welcome to the rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. If you disagree, <laughs> join the discussion at Twitter at, at the rank Podcast on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com. Or email us at therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. So, I want to talk to you about Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. but it just like, won't make any sense yeah, <laughs> for yeah. the banter for this. But it's quite good. I see why I got 98%. It's funny, though, because, like, the first, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes felt like kind of not that great of acting. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was very, like, we'll do this or everybody dies. <laughs> you know? It's like, sounds cool. It sounds great. So I'm, like, watching it, and I'm like, is it going to be like this the rest of the time? Because I'm not sure how this got 98%. <laughs> no, it's just how the movie is. But you said you hadn't seen any of the other ones. No, I've seen them all. Oh, you've seen all of them? Oh, yeah. I love them. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I own them all. You can watch them. But you should probably just hold off until we do them. I don't know. Do you think we're going to do all 30 or whatever there are? <laughs> well, let me tell you, it would be a shame if we only did, like, the first two because... <laughs> do they get better? Mission Impossible 4 and on are way better than anything in the first three. Yeah, it's such a bizarre opinion. series. I think I kind of checked out at around three because it was like... I mean, three wasn't bad, but it was kind of like, mm, all right. I'm sure three was fine, whatever, but like in a lot of ways, I was like, all right, whatever, and then I forgot about it. And then like you blink and there's like six of them. And you're like, what? Why are there yeah. like six of them suddenly? Why are there two trilogies of Mission Impossible? And then like you look it up and it's like, Oh wait, no, some of them are really good. And then another one comes out and it's really good. And then another one comes out and they're like, oh, the best one yet. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, what is it's going crazy. on with this series? How what? does it continually get better? And how has it been a thing for 20 years? Well, because I remember Mission Impossible being like pretty good, you know, the first one, especially that iconic scene, right? Which we've, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about already. And then yeah. the second one I remember being like, uh. You know, okay. I even I loved John Woo, so I like wanted to like it. Yeah. So there was I was it was elevated for me because I wanted to like it so much. And then Mission Possible Three, I was like, okay, this feels kind of like it's over. You know? Yeah. 
So I remember thinking, like, they're making another Mission Impossible. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, well, whatever, I'll go see it. And I saw, I was like, holy shit, is this the same movie franchise? This is yeah. incredible. Well, and, who's who, who's in charge of the movie franchise? Is there someone who's like Tom Cruise? I guess so. Because he's like, the producer of it. Who he comes owns who the comes rights? With, who comes up with the stories and everything? Because Oh, just, I don't know. That's a good question. I think they, Christopher McQuarrie has come up with like the past three. Now I know him from something, don't I? I know him from two other Mission Impossibles, <laughs> besides this most recent one. I don't know. It's a really familiar sounding name, but are yeah, you looking him up? No, I'm not looking him up. I'm just trying to think. Such a bizarre. It's is it like the strangest movie franchise of all time? Because I kind of think it is. It really is. I, I mean, I've never heard of a movie franchise that like keeps getting better after Actually, like better, yeah. yeah after like so the first one was pretty decent you know which mm -hmm. we ranked that way and then the, the next two felt kind of ho-hum so it felt kind of like okay they're making another one and then for four five six and seven to get progressively better makes yeah. no sense and and i don't mean like progressively like so five and six are probably on par with four right mm -hmm. if not slightly better it, it's either slightly better slightly it doesn't really matter they're really kind of close together right my my thinking is is like how in the world did we have one that's pretty good and then two and three are like eh yeah two, four being like holy shit this is like an excellent movie and five being like holy shit this is another excellent movie and six being like holy shit it's another excellent movie and then seven seven being mm -hmm. maybe the best one yeah i mean it just it makes no sense the only thing you can kind of equate it to is the Fast and the Furious, because how the hell did that get nine sequels? Yeah, and a spinoff. Well, I don't think that one is considered to be like better and better, right? Like that's because I mean, you'll get these long these long movie franchises, and there will be a lot of up and downs, a lot of ups and downs, I should say. For instance, there's a line in the Futurama episode where. Um, Fry says, hey, you know what six movies average out to be pretty good? The first six Star Trek movies. <laughs> um, and that's, like, kind of true, because, like, some of them are not so good, and some of them, it's like, oh, look, they're back. Okay, the next one's not so good. But, like, this one just made a hard right turn into really good and just stayed there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I've just never, because, right, because the only thing you can equate, the only reason I was saying The Fast and the Furious is because yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fast and the Furious, the first one was kind of, like, I mean, it was fun, you know? Yeah. I remember watching it in the theater and thinking, I want to drive a fast car now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I like, like cars suddenly. But then when they made Too Fast, Too Furious, I'm like, mm, really? <laughs> Just the title for me was like, oh, yeah, already. exactly. And then they made Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's the end of this, you know? <laughs> it's Apparently no that coming one's back okay. now. Yeah, it's, I, I, I never, I didn't watch it for years. Because I was like, I don't care about this like straight to video fucking random trilogy sequel, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then they made a fourth one, and I thought, really, we're doing? And it was like Fast and Furious, right? Mm -hmm. So not the Fast and the Furious. It was Fast and Furious, and that's what made it different. Oh, <laughs> that's what made it different. This yeah. one's different because it's Fast Furious, and then yeah. there's there's some that are just furious, and a couple are just fast. I don't know. Yeah, and then and then Fast Five. 
Yeah. And I think everybody kind of was like, oh, Fast Five is actually pretty good. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> so they were like, so it was like Fast and Furious. They were like, okay, well, Vin Diesel's back. So I guess we'll watch it. Right. But it so still Vin was Diesel's like, not in the third of, one? he is not in the second one. Oh. And he has a cameo at the end of the third one. Oh, okay. So he wasn't in two and three. Is Paul but Walker then they brought in those ones, though. Paul Walker wasn't in three. He was in two, though. Oh, so three is kind of its own thing. Yeah, because three is like a totally like it's in Tokyo. You know, yeah. it's like a random. It's just random. <laughs> and then, but then five was actually pretty decent. That's the first one they had the rock in. Mm-hmm. And then six was kind of, and then seven is like the best one. Like it had a ninety percent Rotten Tomato score or something like that. Which one is seven? What's it called? I had who fucking knows. <laughs> it's not Fate of the Furious. It's like Furious Seven or something. I don't know. Yeah, because the thing about those movies is at least the Mission Impossible movies are Mission Impossible Six and stuff. You know what I mean? But they're it's not. Just, well, well, I know because there like, was Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Two, Mission Impossible Three, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Mission That's Impossible true. Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Fallout, Mission mm-hmm. Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Which, like, fuck you for that, by the way. A three-hour goddamn action movie where it's just part one. <laughs> As written by Stephen King? I don't know. George R. R. Martin was writing these things. <laughs> yeah, it, looks exactly. like, it looks like Fast and the Furious is uh, Furious 7. I, that's what I said, isn't it? Uh, Furious I 7. I, I think I did. So this is a, a weird opening banter for The Martian. Mm-hmm. But... Um, just so everybody knows, that's that's what we're here for. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in every episode, we are going to do a brief summary of the movie after we have our opening banter, which I'm concluding now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if Zach was ready for the conclusion, but uh, I was thinking we might go off the deep end. On, <laughs> yeah, on it, entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then from there, we do our potent notables, which are just, you know, interesting facts or tidbits that we found uh, found out. Uh, about the making of the movie and and then we do a movie overview which spoiler alert is basically us talking about everything that happened in the movie from beginning to end um it may not cover the entire plot but it's close enough that you if you haven't seen the movie you may not want to listen to it Mm. and then we do the rank which is the the end we rank uh the movie on 10 categories from on a scale of one to ten one being the worst ten being the best we take our personal rankings, combine them, and that gives us a total, and that's how we rank the uh, the movies based on our cumulative scores. So let's let's get into it. Today we're ranking The Martian, the 2015 film starring Matt Damon, written by Drew Goddard, who adapted it from the novel by Andy Weir and directed by Ridley Scott. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, winning none. Um, that's a lot of nominations to not win any, but yeah. Kind of a big bummer for who for the people who worked on this film. Yeah, they're but, fine. But yeah, I'm sure they're doing fine. But it was nominated for best adapted screenplay, best sound mixing, best production design, best visual effects, best sound editing, best actor, and of course, best picture. The Martian tells the gripping story of astronaut Mark Watney, who is presumed dead and left behind by his crew during a manned mission to Mars. Stranded alone on the desolate planet, Watney must use his ingenuity, resourcefulness, and scientific knowledge to survive and find a way to communicate with Earth. As he faces the challenge of limited supplies, harsh environmental conditions, and the daunting task of growing food on Mars, Watney documents his struggles and triumphs 
through video logs. Back on Earth, NASA and a team of scientists worked tirelessly to devise a daring and complex plan to bring Watney home. So we've ranked half of the movies that came out in 2015 that were nominated for Best Picture. With The Martian, we've officially entered the back half. We've been going in alphabetical order, so we started with The Big Short, then went to Bridge of Spies, then Brooklyn, and most recently Mad Max Fury Road. Starting with The Big Short, we each successive movie has been higher on the ranking, right? Until we got to Mad Max, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was higher than the first two, but Brooklyn actually stayed above the fray and remained in the top spot. So, do you think The Martian will supplant Brooklyn? Do what Mad Max couldn't? Well, I can only really speak to myself. I'm not sure it has the legs. You know what I mean? Well, since you've said that, I don't want to give away what I've said. So, I'm not mm -hmm. going to opine on this. Um, but, let's find out. So, first... Lyndon, lead us in. As always, we'll start with the box office, and The Martian was no slouch. It made $228.4 million domestically and $402.2 million internationally for a worldwide total of $630.6 million, all against a budget of $108 million. That's surprising to me. Not that, not that I would have thought people would have hated it, but I don't know. It doesn't. It's not a property. It's not. You know. Yeah, it's an original sort of concept. I mean, I guess it yeah. had a large fan base inherent from, you know, that they gained from people who like the novel. Mm -hmm. But you know, that yeah. doesn't always necessarily mean anything. Yeah, exactly. So, just a little surprising. Not like, oh my god, but you know. <laughs> What I think is interesting is that it had a smaller budget than Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And still made more money than it did. That is surprising since Mad Max is obviously a, a, a property. It's an established IP, although it was original back in the olden days. Uh, and I feel like it's an easier sell. Well, yeah. And, and the fact that I think at the time, I think it had a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, it had... It had the built-in IP, and then it also had, like, really great reviews, which is usually mm -hmm. the recipe for a, a blockbuster. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was. I'm not saying it wasn't, but, like, it's interesting to me that The Martian did better. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's definitely a little... I don't know. Maybe if you want to go see a movie like The Martian, you, like... The fact that it's more unique and individual, maybe because like if you if you're like oh I kind of want to see like kick ass cars and stuff, you have options. That's you, <laughs> that's a good point. You can go fast. You can go furious. There's all sorts of options. <laughs> so uh, maybe if like you're interested in a movie like The Martian, then it's like oh I really do have to go see that because it's not like they come out with that every other day. That's true. That's true. Well, so let's move. I'm going to move on to sets here um because the martian set right mm -hmm. when they were outside outside it, they filmed mostly in jordan mm -hmm. but the crazy thing is that a lot of this was actually indoors mm -hmm. so even when it looks like it's outdoors it's still indoors they created a gigantic set in hungary and they filled the set in Hungary with a thousand metric tons of three different colored sands. Wow. That's uh 
I see why they had a big budget. Yeah. We're, just, <laughs> you know, just their sand budget alone is. Yeah. I was going to say the executives are like, okay, what do you need for the budget? $108 million. Um, and, you know, how are you dividing that out? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to give uh, $10 million to Damon and $90 million to Sand. <laughs> is Sand a, is a Sand a person? Is that who the writer is? Or what is happening? <laughs> William Sand, writer of The Martian. So here's a silly one. You know the scene where Donald Glover slips and falls and tells his boss he needs more coffee? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that was just Donald Glover slipping and falling. And then he just got back up and kept acting. So they kept it in the movie. <laughs> you got to keep that in. <laughs> um, now, Matt Damon has relayed a story about the ending of the film where he gets emotional upon mm -hmm. being rescued. And it's kind of sweet. Mm -hmm. So the other actors had wrapped already. And he was just doing scenes by himself for five weeks. So Ridley Scott piped their pre-recorded voices into Matt's headset. And it genuinely made him emotional. So the 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 tearing up was actually genuine, mm -hmm. and Ridley Scott liked it so much that he only that he only did one take. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy, an emotional scene like that having one take. Yeah. Well, he was emotional enough to only require one take. He's like, I can nail all my crying scenes in one take because <laughs> I'm so weepy. I'm such an emotional little boy. See, I don't think Ben Affleck could do that. <laughs> Ben's like, hell, I can't. <laughs> I'm going to go you know, cry. You know what, though? I can't. Give this to Ben. He can direct the shit out of some movies. I don't know. Can Damon direct? Has sure. he directed anything? I don't think that he's really even think... bothered. Yeah. <laughs> Why bother? Everybody he's like, Ben better. <laughs> well, I think Matt Damon is more like, I like to be a producer and I like to be an actor and I don't want to do the directing. All right. That's what that's what he tells himself at least. It's a little bit like when I when <laughs> you just can't live up to Ben. Yeah, when actors want to get like when they can't get movie roles anymore, they're like, oh well, I really wanted to focus on the theater anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's like, oh, well, I, I wanted to take a lot less money and work harder. Yeah, it's I I have a I I really enjoy I I have a passion for the theater, theater. Yeah. It actually is kind of shitty if you think about it, right? Because when you get big name actors and they're like, I'd like to do a theatrical role, you know, yeah. when when they could be doing movies. Mm -hmm. And you have all these other people like, well, I can't just be like, well, I'll just take fucking lead actor in one of these gigantic blockbusters. You mm -hmm. dick, you yeah, know? just because I feel like it. <laughs> I kind of wonder, like, productions that have these big stars and then, like, the big stars leave. And then, like, the regular actors just have to keep on going. Like they're right. like, well, we're still in this movie, so this this play, so it doesn't matter that Oscar Isaac had to go film whatever. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, well, here, let's move on to uh, some sciencey potent notables. So the mm -hmm. atmospheric pressure on the Martian surface averages 600 PA, whatever the fuck that is, <laughs> uh, or 0 0.087 PSI, so it, which is about 0.6% of Earth's mean sea level pressure. Mm -hmm. of 100 kPa. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's that mean. It's nice for us. Like, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Um, it is so low that a fierce quote-unquote storm, as they put it, mm -hmm. would be something akin to a very light breeze messing up your hair. <laughs> and author Andy Weir admitted that 
this was the, his biggest inaccuracy in the story. Mm-hmm. Due to the low air density, sound would not travel like it does on Earth, and you would have to stand next to someone and scream for them to hear you. Mm-hmm. Providing you could survive the freezing cold temperature, poisonous atmosphere, and lack of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in this case, in space, somebody would hear you scream. You would just die <laughs> afterwards. Um, well, you're not exactly in space. You're on Mars, which is in space, granted, but... Yeah, it's more in space than I feel like we are on Earth, but um, because of the lack of atmosphere. Um, Or not lack of, but lack of thick atmosphere. (laughs) All right. Damn, Earth, you got some thick atmosphere. (laughs) You thick, baby. Um, Ridley Scott claimed that one of the most difficult scenes to direct was how to explain to the audience the hexadecimal system. What He used it as a code to communicate with Earth. Yeah, which Scott admitted was hard for himself to understand. I have to say, this part of the movie, and we might get into this, but I always felt like I don't, I don't need you to explain this to me. I don't give. No, a shit. yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little confused that 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 Ridley Scott found it confusing. Hexadecimal's right? not that confusing. <laughs> I didn't think it was all that confusing either. It's like, okay, so you point to a thing and it's a code, and you figure out what. It yeah. Means. Like, okay, yeah, I got it. Thanks. So I don't know, but whatever. You're not not bashing your Ridley, just you know. Maybe I'm bashing you Ridley a little bit. You're Ridley, you bastard. You're, you're Ridley ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just a subtle difference between the novel and the movie. Okay, uh, yeah, in the yeah. novel, Mark Watney has two master's degrees, one in botany and one in mechanical engineering. In the film, however, he has a PhD in botany and no engineering background is mentioned. Mm. Although he is shown to have a knowledge of engineering and maintenance of the mission equipment. Mm. I feel like why not just leave that the book the same as the book? Don't yeah. Know Maybe why they just didn't feel like explaining it. Like they just wanted him to be a doctor, and they're like, just you know, make him a doctor. He's a botany doctor. He's a plant doctor, man. Plant doctor. Hey, Doctor Plant. <laughs> um, Dr. Plant was the film physician and William Sand was the writer. It's... <laughs> that's where they spent all their, uh, that's where all their budget. All the budget was on sand and plants. <laughs> you know what kind of plants I mean. So let's get into a crazy Mars fact. Nice. Um, and you're right. I'm pretty sure they were growing weed. One of <laughs> Mars's panoramic shots shows Olympus Mons. The largest discovered volcano in the solar system. It is almost three times larger than Mount Everest and covers an area about the size of Missouri. Mm, God. <laughs> it is also, yeah. You know, was, also, you know, the height one was like, all right, it's really tall. And then like the, the width one was the one that got me for some reason. Like <laughs> the entire state. Okay. So it extends to a height well beyond that of the atmosphere, mm. which is. So, like, all you morons that want to hike Everest, come hike this one. Yeah. As soon as <laughs> if we ever colonize Mars, somebody's gonna, gonna be all these idiots are like, I've gotta do it. Yeah. I'm gonna get on these mons. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of Jamaicans climb this mountain. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is there something to do with mons and vulva, or something? there's something there, right? <laughs> Well, it means I gotta climb this pussy. Um, <laughs> That's what it is. We're, we, we, it's, oh, it's, we've it's, gone back to Shane Black's giant pussy jokes. Yeah, thank, thank God. 
because uh, otherwise I don't know what I would do. But uh, yeah, it's 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 like a, a it's like a very straight male kind of thing. You look at the society that straight men have set up, and it's all like skyscrapers and giant and climbing giant tits. You know? Yep. Like, like oh, I don't know what it is about those mountains, but I just want to be on top of them. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, so let's let's get back to this. Now, when designing the spacesuits in the movie, the costume designer looked at many of NASA's actual Mars suits and said they were exactly like bu- like a Buzz Lightyear suit. Mm-hmm. As a quote, <laughs> exactly like a Buzz Lightyear suit. Which is awesome. Um, I don't know what they're angry about. Exactly. From how bulky they were, even Ridley Scott disliked them. So mm-hmm. the final designs of the suits were based on images of actual suits, but aimed for a more practical approach. Mm-hmm. And author Andy Weir originally wrote the novel as a serial on his blog. Writing in this serialized approach allowed him to build the story as he went, essentially crafting each plot point around something that could go wrong, and then working out how Mark would get around it. Weir noted that he could not figure out his way around failure of the crucial life support systems, so if the oxygenator, water reclaimer, or RTG failed, Mark would have died. Mm. (laughs) Convenient they didn't. Yeah, exactly. Drew Goddard, who wrote the screenplay for the film, was also at one point set to direct, but left that role to go direct the Sinister Six film. After that, Ridley Scott read the script and jumped up, jumped into the project rather than making a Prometheus sequel. Um, Seems like ha- Drew Goddard kind of screwed that up. Yeah, have, have, they, have they made the Sinister Six movie yet? Because I don't know about that. Correct. I've, I, Drew Goddard's like, yeah, I want to go direct the Sinister Six. I can't do this. And Ridley Scott's like, okay, I'll do it. And then they're like, yeah, we're never going to make the Sinister Six. And he's like, wait, hold on. <laughs> can I direct The Martian instead? No. No, no it's Ridley Scott. I don't know if you know this, but Ridley Scott is better than you at this. <laughs> <laughs> than Drew Goddard? Yes, I should think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's not, but probably. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen any Drew Goddard directed films, but I'm just going to bank on the fact that he's not. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, the exterior Martian scenes were shot at a slower speed to simulate Mars's gravity, which is mm-hmm. 38% of Earth's gravity. So, therefore, anything on the surface of Mars needed to appear lighter and, ha- and have a slight bounce to it. Mm. However, the frame rate that was desired would not allow the cameras to run in sync. To negate this, the film was shot at 48 frames per second during exterior scenes, which was then slowed down to the standard 24 frame per second. This meant that much audio had to be re-recorded in post. As a result of this, syncing up audio with Mark's lips filmed at a slower film rate would have been impossible. So Ridley Scott chose to have Mark quote-unquote narrate the scenes Mm. instead of having him talk in the suit to avoid this problem. Now, didn't we just recently talk about something that that they did this in? Was it Bridge of Spies or Mad Max Fury Road? One of the movies we just did, they did this, right? It was uh, Ninja Turtles. Oh, that's right. It was Ninja Turtles. Because they had to move slower, so they so they manipulated the film speed and then sped it back up to ordinary human speeds rather than turtle speeds, because, you know, turtles are slow. Um, <laughs> Martians are notoriously slow as well. There you go. That's why Martians are green. <laughs> because they, they, they grow moth. Yeah, <laughs> because they're turtles. I was going to try to say but <laughs> teenage mutant, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Martians. There you go. I like it. That I'd should definitely be an IP. Yeah, I wouldn't watch that movie. I wouldn't at all. So let's move on. Yes, you would. 
I'd make you. You know why? Because we get Tom Cruise to do it. Oh, okay. So Christopher McQuarrie is writing it then. Yes, obviously. We got to pitch it to him. Hey, Chris. I don't know if you're you're listening. Actually, I know you are. <laughs> That's your pitch, man. Write it. Give us some money. You know, I um, feel like I feel like we found a we found a direct line to Tom Cruise if we ever want it. Just if you can get to Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, it feels like it'd be easier to get to him than it would be to Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it because who knows what he even is, you know? Like, <laughs> just if you you could find him at Starbucks or something, like, right? Because he works there. I don't know. Now the name of the mission is Ares Three, an homage to the Greek god of war Ares, whose Roman name is Mars. Oh, okay. The name. Yeah, the name of the large ship traveling back and forth between Earth and Mars is Hermes, named after the Greek god who is the messenger and emissary. Hermes was seen as the patron and protector of travelers. The Roman variation for Hermes is Mercury, another mm -hmm. planet. It is um, another planet indeed. Yeah, it's the one. I don't know if you listeners know this, but it's the first one. <laughs> I'm starting to think that they planned that whole thing out. <laughs> yeah, they might maybe. I think they I think they said we have to plan it. And just so you know, according to Andy Weir, the story is set in 2035. Oh yeah. Um well, that's not that far away, but I guess it's I guess it's plausibly just very near future. I mean, Elon Musk is gonna colonize it in 2030. And so, you know what? He's welcome to it as far as I'm concerned. If it means getting him off go? I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll go. Of course he won't. I really, I really miss the days when Elon Musk was just like a smart engineer that like mm -hmm. wanted to save the world from climate change. Mm -hmm. What you happened know, to that guy? It, it took a weird turn to like right wing conspiracy. I almost think, and maybe I'm wrong here, but did it coincide with his heavy like? I feel like he got heavier and heavier into weed mm -hmm. to the point where he's just like always smoking weed now mm -hmm. and. You have to wonder, like, did it make you a little paranoid there, Elon? <laughs> I like to think that he was just always a fucking idiot and um, just hid better. And I yeah, possibly maybe. just became richer and richer. And you know. I think that's what it is, honestly. I think the fact that he, the, the more, like, he was proven right with his engineering ideas, mm -hmm. the more it seemed like he was right about all of any idea that, that came to his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have a name for that. I don't remember what it is. Like we're we're I'm gonna say quote unquote smart people because I'm not even necessarily calling him smart, but they think that they're like experts at everything. And I think when you're have some success, you, you start consistent. start believing your own ego. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's and I think that's exactly what happened with him. Yeah. And and you know, like and this is where I, I have trouble with, you know, I think it's okay. He's smart. I mean, you know, I don't think there's any denying that he's a smart guy. Um, what he does with his intelligence is a whole other thing, mm -hmm. and it's disappointing. <laughs> it has become very disappointing because I feel like he had a lot of really good ideas and he had the wherewithal to like push it through. Mm -hmm. And now it's just turned into like this like he wants to be a social figure, and I don't really understand why. I don't understand it either because I mean, it, how it would be the easiest thing in the world to just take your money and do whatever. Yeah. Just be yeah, quiet. exactly. You wanted to start a space company, and you did. And, like, you actually created – I mean, Starlink is, like, a really cool idea, and what he did with it was really great, you know? Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, he's created these rockets that can land, you know, I mean, mm. the, the things that he's done are pretty amazing. I mean, Tesla's a really cool company. Um, and it used to be, you would think it was because of him and now it's become in spite of him. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is really sad. I'm, I'm fine with it. I just want them out of my face. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that, I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's get back into some more controversy. The controversy that I speak of is that when the, when the movie was accepted by the Golden Globes eligibility committee in the category of comedy or musical mm. and subsequently won best motion, motion picture comedy or musical and best actor in a comedy or musical. Mm. Many filmmakers such as Judd Apatow criticized the producer's decision of submitting The Martian as a comedy as a way of not having to face strong competition in the best drama category. So the controversy actually led to a rule change which states that dramas with comedic overtones should be entered as dramas and not as comedies. I mean, that seems fair, but then again, like, I wonder what their... This movie's pretty well, funny, I wonder though. what their uh, criteria exactly... Like, like, somebody sit there and count and it says X many jokes per minute, you know, like... Yeah, how do you how do you determine if it's comedic, if it's yeah. drama, drama with comedic elements or comedy with dr dramatic elements, right? Yeah. I, know. I do. I do get like Joe Apatow's point, though. That, I do too. It's. Know, like, I mean, I wouldn't have submitted this as a comedy. It is funny, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of comedic parts, but it's definitely not. It's pretty clearly not meant as a comedy. Right. Exactly. And like you know, it's not Spaceballs. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> now, Spaceballs, The Martian, I would watch. <laughs> now, the suits in the film use a very complex and, as with all space dramas over the past few decades, has an actual functioning lighting system. Mm. But in real life, an internal lighting system is questionable. But for film and TV, it's necessary to see the actors' faces, even if it creates glare in the actors' eyes, which is why it would be questionable in real life. Okay. But uh, Andy Weir stated that the only moment from the book he was disappointed to not see used in the final film was when Mark Watney makes an audio log that goes, quote, How come Aquaman can control whales? They're mammals. It makes no sense. <laughs> We, should, Teddy. Ask, we should ask James Wan about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was supposed to come after Teddy Sanders wonders what Watney was thinking about up on Mars. Oh, I see. So that actually, that's a fun joke. Yeah. <laughs> it can be found in the extra content in the Blu-ray release, just so oh, you know, if you want to look God. it up. Yeah, I'm glad to. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson has said that this is the most accurate film he has ever seen in regards to astrophysics and how Mars would be if inhabited. That is a high praise, given that he will criticize anything. Or not criticize, exactly, but he will point out the inaccuracies of anything and everything. Yeah, that's like uh, when he pointed out to James Cameron that Titanic had the wrong night sky. <laughs> Did you why hear was, about this story? I, I did hear about that. Why did he? Why is he even thinking about that? <laughs> I know he just like saw this. He's like that. That star is not in the right place. This is you know like this wouldn't have looked like this. Hold on, just a minute here. And James Cameron just replied, "Like, I'm pretty sure it made two billion dollars." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was all that important there. Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> yeah, and DGTV. Matt Damon was the only actor nominated for Best Actor this year that was portraying a fictional character. So weird. It is weird. So Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, portraying Lily Elbe. Brian Cranston for Trumbo, portraying Dalton Crumbo. Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, 
portraying Hugh Glass and Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, mm. portraying Frank Dukes. Um, <laughs> my, Matt Damon was also willing to lose weight for the final scenes, but Ridley Scott forbade it, and they used a body double. Oh, oh man. That was very thin. Yeah. I don't know why it's unfair. I just... Just realize it's an unfair and like I actually I actually think it's kind of nice that Ridley Scott forbade it. He's like, no, you don't need to be like killing yourself for this. It's yeah. not healthy. Yeah, and we you can know, just use healthy. somebody who already looks unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> that person's already unhealthy. Just let him do it. Yeah, that there's an anorexic right there. Let's have him do it. Christian Bale's like, can I do it? I want to do it. I'll be the I'll be the body double. Yeah, he's like, I'll lose I'll lose, you know. 300 pounds right now just so that I can do it. Don't you weigh like 180? Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's just my dedication to the craft. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's uh let's get to the to the movie overview. Lyndon, what uh what's that sound like? Movie overview. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think people will eventually live on Mars? Um, no. <laughs> I hate to be negative, but what's the point? There's already Actually, there's plenty of Earth that is already difficult to inhabit, but more inhabitable than Mars. So let's just live there. Well, because what if an asteroid comes and destroys Earth like an Armageddon or Deep Impact, both 1998? Well, uh, in that case, I guess we'd be dead. So I don't right, but if we're living on Mars too, then we <laughs> won't be dead. At least part of us will survive, and that's what's important. Right, the dinner lives on. So um, that that is um, let's uh, let's do it then. I think it's worth it because we might get hit by an asteroid like an Armageddon or Deep Impact, both nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> did you catch my dinner? By the way, mm -hmm, I did. Oh, good. Um, so, so the I'm trying to hold on. Here. I do I do feel like it's inevitable actually that we will live on Mars eventually. Really? I do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm unconvinced because I don't see any actual benefit to it aside from aside from I guess you know like with the what's the what's the protocol that not all of the cabinet members can be in the same place during like the same time <laughs> that kind of rule. I don't know. They had a show about that, right? Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, except for that, that's the only reasoning that I can think of. Because otherwise, just like it's like it sucks in the Sahara Desert, but there's plenty of it. So just go fix that, I guess. Or yeah, that used to be like a big lake. Apparently, it was like the largest lake in the world. That was just like last week, right? It yeah, was, it was like filled just, in just last week. Yep, that's where they put all the sand left that they had when they finished shooting the Martian. That's it. They 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 destroyed the lake by filling yep. and making the Sahara. They're like, oh shit, um, what are we gonna do with all this sun? Just dump it right here, and nobody will notice, and then just walk gosh, away. Darn the movie industry. Figures, you know, Europeans, man, they just destroy know, Africa over and over again. Throw it all in North Africa. Nobody's nobody's using it anyway. It's all desert. <laughs> <laughs> or it's all lake, I guess, at the time. That's what I was going to say. I was like, well, that doesn't really work for the joke. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> so I, I did enjoy the, the debate that they were having right in the beginning over comms. Mm -hmm. You know, the captain's like, yeah, we're shutting off comms. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of this. 
Yeah, that's that's how I'd be as a captain too. I'd be like, shut up. Like we've we've been here together on Mars for I don't know what at least a minute, right? It takes a yeah. while to get there. How many <laughs> souls was it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was at least seven. Um because that's how many people there were there, I think. But um yeah, you know that was the it, joke I was hoping you would go for. <laughs> it was and it was extremely successful. <laughs> but uh, uh yeah, no, I uh that's it's the I, kind of joke that I know our listener will enjoy. So oh well that's what can, that is what's important because <laughs> you know at this point actually we have to stop making that joke because we apparently have a number of listeners. That's right. I, I feel like our listeners are probably at this point enjoying that joke. So I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> they all think we're talking to them. Yeah, exactly. And for and I'm for their one, listener. And for one person, it's true. <laughs> for, yeah. And she and knows we'll, who she is. We'll never say who. I think we have several times at this point, but that's okay. So it's, it's Emily Blunt. <laughs> I, Emily Blunt. I did not. That was definitely a name that I was not <laughs> expecting to be thrown out. But it's interesting yeah. that you know that. I I never told you that it was Emily Blunt. How did you no, know? I could tell just the way she listens. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can hear She's it. A in good her, listener. You can hear it in her ears. <laughs> hear it in her ears. <laughs> I don't know if the, if our listener can tell, but this this episode has gone off the rails. Emily Blunt's like, I always hear it in my ears. That's how I. That's how I hear it. Is does that not how other people do it? <laughs> what do you hear from your one? Your um, anyway. Let's. I was. I hear from my antenna. I actually think it's kind of cool that the commander made the right call to abort instead of it being made, made to seem like they should have stayed or that the commander got it wrong or typical trope stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good that they didn't do that and make her female, like, question. Right, it, exactly. Or she's unfit to command or some shit. It's just not an issue. Gosh darn it, the vagina struck again. <laughs> they always do. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> that That was like... A really tough decision to leave and leave Mark Watney behind. It's like really kind of shitty, you know? Yeah. I feel like they all know the risks, though, you know? Yeah. It's Mars. Like they're aware. I know. And I do like the way they show the empty seat, you know? Mm -hmm. That was touching, I guess. We don't know him yet, but, you know, I feel like we can all appreciate the uh, gravity, if you will, of leaving someone on Mars. Right, exactly. And then we, and so we're getting all this, like, you know, emotion, right? And then we cut to Jeff Daniels talking about it at the press conference and he goes, Mark Watney is dead. <laughs> I am a robot. <laughs> I don't care about boop, boop. One, zero, one, zero, Watney dead. And, but then we come back to Mars, right? And, and, mm -hmm. uh, and there's Matt Damon being like, hey, I'm still alive and this thing's impaled in, in me. Seems and like a pretty was, gnarly, gnarly injury, don't you think? Yeah, and they show the him taking the shrapnel out and stapling himself back. I mean, god damn, that scene was just mm -hmm. graphic as hell. In some ways, you know, his the other problems he faces on Mars are more serious, but in some ways, getting past that initial not not dying seems like the hardest, you know? Yeah, it sure does. I mean, I feel like it really gives you a sense of the situation he's in. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, like he's sure. just so alone. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't, you know, staple up or whatever his own wounds, he's not going to get done. I did think it was interesting the way they did the exposition with the video journaling. Mm -hmm. I thought it was effective. 
I thought it was effective too. It was, it was fun. I mean, I th there's part of it, I think, that is it's effective because you have a charismatic actor in the role. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if you have somebody who's not as uh, funny, you know, somebody who's not as not able to be as funny. Like, I don't know that Christian Bale could have pulled this off. Mm -hmm. Maybe he could have. I mean, he's a good actor, but I just I don't see him as being particularly funny. You know, no, I don't think he's been particularly funny in anything. Yeah, no. So you have to have both the you know the ability to like play the dramatic parts, but also I don't know. Mark Mark Watney is such a uh, like kind of an easygoing character in some ways, and I don't want yeah. I don't I don't necessarily want to say easygoing or happy go lucky, but like he's not intense. Oh, I lost you. I think you went on mute. Anyway, sorry. So what, you what happened? To, I don't know. I just I pulled out the there's a piece of spaghetti under my microphone, so I pulled it out. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's that's probably the funniest explanation <laughs> so far. But anyway, no, it really was a piece of spaghetti. It's not cooked though. <laughs> it's just dry. Sometimes I like to take pieces of spaghetti and put them in my mouth and pretend it's like a thing of hay. You know, and pretend I'm like a country bear. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, when you say country bear, you mean like hairy gay man, or do you mean like a like an actual large mammal? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean the country bear, like the country bear jamboree, like in Disney Disney Land World, whichever it is. Oh, gotcha. I don't, I don't know that. So you don't know the country bear jamboree? <laughs> Not really. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> well, but what were you going to say, though? Because you were talking about the video journaling and you were saying something about it being intense. Well, you uh, have to be able to play the intense stuff, but you also have to be like, you said likable, you know, charismatic, likable. Yeah. Where, like, it would be a lot to be alone with Christian Bale for a lot of a movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Especially him like talking to the camera and being not talking to the camera, but talking to the you know the talking to the audience via the video journal. It would be like I don't know. It would be it would be, it would be yeah. You know, it's interesting because I feel like I think it would be kind of fun to see like alternate realities with all the different stars playing this role. Well, with AI, I think we could do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be them doing it. You know, it would just be like AI making their voice do what to be funny but i think because i think like like a will smith might have been able to pull it off mm -hmm. well that's um, what you that's that that's what uh, that's what you were saying with the being like actually able to be funny right exactly well that's what i mean is like i you know like i bet you i bet you george clooney could have pulled it off too or brad pitt they both mm -hmm. have that kind of charisma to them mm -hmm. um or riz as the kids say <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, is that what that's short for? Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Let's bring oh, really? Well, Thank it's you now. I now I know. But I was wondering if if it would have been more effective to actually wait on the video journaling explanation, you know, like his situation, and just have it explained by NASA to the press corps. I would have liked that. I'm not going to lie, um, because it did feel kind of like. Because doesn't he say, you know, like. And now I'm going to video journal because of reasons. And it's like, you didn't have to explain it. Like, right, exactly. And I'm, I'm also, you know, 
I mean, it does make sense because it would make sense that when you're in that situation, you would video journal so that you would have, you know, something to show for what you were doing, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I think what their thought was is it would t the press corps is not going to know that Mark Watney is alive, yeah, until until much later. But I also feel like, you know, I think everybody would understand without you video journaling the situation yeah. that he's in. You know, you could just have him being like, I'm going to have to science the shit out of this, mm -hmm. which I, th I think is an awesome fucking line. You know, you could have him saying, I'm going to have to grow potatoes. I got to figure out how to do that. You can have the, all of that without having like that kind of detailed explanation in the very beginning of how shitty it is. You know, like we fucking get it. He's on another planet. He's the only person on this planet. Mm -hmm. And I feel um, like all they needed to do is show. Um him video journaling and we would have gotten it like yeah exactly we would have been like oh i guess he's video journaling and that would have been that yeah but also yeah but also some of the exponent exposition that is in the video journaling i think didn't need to necessarily happen right away but mm -hmm. but then he 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 like says i'm not gonna die here mm -hmm. and i'm like i feel like i would have died there yeah definitely i definitely <laughs> would have died Yes, that's what we said for Mad Max too. Just I guess I'll die. Yeah, exactly. It's probably why I wouldn't have been invited to go, um, mm -hmm. because I'd have been like, "Oh, that's okay. We're all gonna die." <laughs> I would like as soon as I got like a hole in my suit, I'd just be like, "Oh, I'm dying." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and die now. If that's all right. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe I wouldn't have been that bad, but in this been. situation, I definitely would have just been like, "I give up." I would like how many how many like uh, seasons of things can I watch as I starve to death? <laughs> Do I have Netflix? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Do I have Max? Oh, I'm stuck with Max. I did. I did enjoy his vlogging. Well, like Mars mm -hmm. will come to fear my botany powers, but I absolutely could not be dealing in people's shit. No. Yeah. Same. I mean, maybe, I, I guess maybe, you know, it's it's funny. It's like the life or death thing. Like, you don't know what you would do to survive. But I just, I can't, I would just be retching the whole time. I would, I, I would have, I would lose all of my bodily fluid because I would, nor my own shit for that matter. <laughs> my own shit I'd be fine with, but. Well, nothing bad has ever happened by igniting hydrogen. Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was a very funny. I forgot that part. Actually. <laughs> and I enjoy that he's using shavings from a crucifix to start the fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Feels very uh, true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then immediately afterwards, so yeah, I blew myself up. I forgot to account for the excess oxygen that I've been ex exhaling because I'm stupid. <laughs> you see, I didn't love that part because it's like. I get what he's saying. I get that he's being self-deprecating. That made but, me feel stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't have I been like, know. oh, I'm exhaling some oxygen with my yeah. CO2. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, everything else, it's like, okay, so he just knows science better than I do. But I don't know. That one I don't know. Felt, felt judgy. <laughs> but man what an incredible thing that would be to see plants starting to grow in martian soil when you're in that mm -hmm. situation like wow that would be such a like holy shit i might actually get out of this yeah. um 
I also like seeing the fruits of his own labors as well. You know, it's yeah, exactly. I also like that we cut back to the director of NASA, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we're showing the rover being moved, right? And mm -hmm. he like cannot grasp that the rover has moved. He's like, "What did what? Did that <laughs> picture is different from that picture?" <laughs> but then, like, immediately he can do the math for like the food situation. He's like, uh, if my math is correct, he's got like 170 souls to live mm -hmm. with the food, even if he rations it. Mm -hmm. like, you can do that that fast, but you can't see that a fucking rover moved. Yeah, the rover moving is not the most complicated thing that's ever <laughs> happened here. Um, oh, I guess he's alive. You feel like that would be the end of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, holy shit, he's alive. Okay. Um, but instead it was like, it was, it was, it was just like, really? There's another part coming up where I'm like, the director of NASA would fucking know this, okay? Mm -hmm. But um, but anyway, that now we get the great line. I'm gonna have to science the shit out of this, mm -hmm. right? It's a great line. Um, it said that the uh, the rover, by the way, when he puts the decaying isotope, fucking you know, the nuclear bomb, whatever the hell it is that he puts inside there with him that makes things mm -hmm. hot. 43 yeah. degrees Celsius. Yeah, that was really hot. <laughs> yeah, that's 109 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, so, uh, you know, I mean, you would probably feel great. Um, I'd, I'd be like, ooh, a sauna. Although, although, I don't know how much, how humid it would be. Hey, but, you, you know, you feel good being the hottest thing on Mars, you know? That's true. When I was a kid, I was convinced that Mars was although, hot because it's Although the decaying plutonium was probably the hottest thing on Mars. That's true. Oh, god darn it. <laughs> Can't even do that right. So then, you know, we cut back. Jeff Daniels is like trying to talk to the JPL guys about, you know, they oh, you got to build the thing that we're going to send out, right? Because we have X amount of time to get it to them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the guy's like, well, you know, we'll do our best. And then he goes, Mark dies if you don't. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, now I can do it. No, you know? Yeah. Like, now I can do it faster. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for putting that on my shoulders. Um, I, It's just, I mean, I was just, it's crazy how much shit he has to do to survive <laughs> and mm -hmm. get home. Um, I, and I, I actually realized I recognized the guy that complained about asking just yes or no questions. You remember that guy? Mm -hmm. He was just like, so we're just going to ask yes or no questions? This is stupid. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we get, thanks for the fucking contribution, the guy, you know? <laughs> but he's the he's the he's from Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was uh he's a soccer coach and he's starts out as kind of like a lowly not a coach at all. He's just like a, a bag boy, you know. Mm -hmm. And then and then he gets elevated to coach and then he turns into evil coach. So sorry if I just spoiled that for you. You did. I've been meaning to catch up. Really? No. <laughs> okay. It's like, oh, I just, I actually just felt terrible for a second there. Um, by, by meaning to catch up, I mean I've been meaning to watch any of it ever. <laughs> well, I'm sure you won't remember that I said that to you. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I also thought it was really nice that the first thing that Mark Watney says is the crew was right to leave. Mm -hmm. One of the first things to say. It's not just like a really nice. I feel like it's a really generous thing to get at to get it out of the way so quickly. You know, 
Yeah. Like he knows that's going to weigh on them. And this is the part that I thought was crazy. So they're talking about all this, they're doing all this. And they're, you, I realized that they're like, this was Soul 18 and now it's Soul 54. And see the difference with the uh, rover? Mm hmm. So they didn't see him for 36 days. They just didn't bother looking for that long. <laughs> well, you know, they thought he was dead, I guess. Nothing interesting to see on Mars. I mean, they explained it away by saying, like, well, we don't want to have a dead astronaut, you know, images of a dead astronaut floating everywhere. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay. So you waited 36 fucking days for it? I just don't know if I buy that. I'm pretty sure that they would have wanted to confirm, you know? Uh, absolutely. At least, I mean, they don't need to um, broadcast it, right? They just need to look. Well, it's it's public information with NASA, oh. right? So, you know, eventually they'd get they'd have like 24 hours before it would go public. This is how they just they explained it in the movie. But I'm just like, you know, that's a cover up. Mm -hmm. It's just that's just stupid. I mean, I guess it's not a cover-up because they said he's dead, but I just don't buy that they wouldn't have been like, okay, put the satellite there. Let's see if we can see his body somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so now they've, you know, they're talking to him, right? And I guess he's like on with the president and the whole world or whatever the fuck. And he, uh, and he curses and they're like, oh, Mark, you shouldn't curse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the idea that anybody would would be actually upset with him cursing is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my, he's alone on Mars, possibly gonna die, but he said the F word. Let's leave him there. But can you imagine getting the news that the person you left for dead survived? Um no, because I've never been in that kind of situation, believe <laughs> it or not. I feel like it would be pretty awful. Yeah, now that I think of it. It would be kind of kind of lame. It wouldn't be the best. I like when you know she's like Kristen Wiig's character is looking for a picture, and he, he's like, "Well, I could take, tell him to take off his helmet, but then you he you know die." Mm -hmm. Oh right, the one where she's annoyed. He's the Fonz. Which... <laughs> oh, the Fonz. Mm, all right, which uh, I think that's a better picture. The Fonz. Yeah, I like. I think so too. Because, you know, for instance, we all liked when that one astronaut man um, sang David Bowie in space, remember? We like it when people like that do whimsical things. Yeah, exactly. The, the public would be like, oh, he's the Fonz. And they would enjoy it, I think. I think so, too. Kristen I'm Wiig. not really sure. Yeah, Kristen Wiig's a bitch. I hate her. I'm kidding. Yes, I like that's her. That's absolutely not true for either of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Kristen Wiig a lot. I think she's hilarious. And then we get Jeff Daniels saying, that's assuming nothing goes wrong. Foreshadowing? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like more things are going to go wrong. Might something go wrong? We'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. And I, I, feel like I, I feel like I felt this way throughout so many times. I'm like, how much more shit does this guy have to go through? You it's know? impressive. His resilience, the human spirit, all that crap. But yeah. like... You know, I don't know. Maybe it's like the sort of thing where the more once you're actually in that situation, you find you really want to like live or whatever. But like, I don't know. I'd be, after a certain amount of setbacks, I'd be like, well, okay. Clearly, it's not meant. It's not in the cards for me. You know? Yeah. I'm, yeah. So that's enough of that. Like, I'm not <laughs> gonna sit here and break my balls anymore. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel the exact same way. It's so okay. shitty that the hab blew up. Yeah. It felt, it felt, uh, um, it's like sadistic on the part of the, the right? story. Like, of the storyteller? Yeah. I'm like, like let, him, let him be, man. <laughs> can, can, I mean, like, couldn't he just keep growing potatoes? Like, I think that would have been a fun movie. <laughs> let the man grow potatoes. Um, but now he's now he's in the rover, right? And mm-hmm. he's staying warm in the rover, and that's uh he gets to have his interaction with Martinez, who's like, you know, like that's why we left you mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's a fun interaction that we get to um get to see. But now it's time for childish Gambino. Mm-hmm. Here comes Donald Glover in the role that nobody needed him in. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel bad to say because I really like Donald Glover a lot, but this yeah, is you, like pointless. you know him, you love him in other things, and I it's not like I disliked him in this. It's just it's it's a pro, well we'll get to it in the rank, but mm-hmm. um, anyway we uh, we have his you know like nothing scene, and then we go back to Mark Watney, and I don't know what it is about this line. But it, I feel like it just works so well on on so many levels, you know, just like the despair that's in it. Mm-hmm. But it has been seven days since I ran out of ketchup. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's, you know, the movie's full of little bits of levity like that that sort of are effective as drama, but also as comedy. Yeah, exactly. But um, so now we're going to have the launch, right? This mm-hmm. launch is it's going to send the supplies that he really badly needs because they had to rush it even further, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't even do like the security testing because they're like, nope, it's going to take too long to get food to them, so we've got to go. And then uh, <laughs> that doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> like, really? That doesn't work either? Uh, probably was a SpaceX rocket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was Blue Origin. So then, now we get the, uh, we find out that China's got a rocket that they can use, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the interest of science, they're going to help each other out, which is, is actually is kind of a cool little scene. But uh, then we cut back to Benedict Wong mm-hmm. at JPL, and he's like, my Uncle Tommy in China has something for us. Mm-hmm. I found that line a little strange. <laughs> Yeah, if it's his actual uncle, they could have like talked about that. And if just he's making a very weird joke, he's like making a weird like I'm Chinese and and you know white people are not all the same, but us Chinese are. Yeah, we're all related. <laughs> there's there's how many billions of us, but you know, yeah, it's, and that's it's the thing. Different. Now it's almost it's almost multiple billions. So, and you know, I get like. You can I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm sure that like people can make that kind of a joke, you know, and it's mm-hmm. but it feels very much a joke that's geared towards white people, you know. Yeah, that's why I I, I hope that it was in fact his uncle, his his <laughs> real uncle. Like I'm not sure why, but <laughs> maybe this just is a spacey family, you know. Um, so now we get to this this exposition with Donald Glover, right? Mm-hmm. And they're using like Lord of the Rings references to explain themselves and I love that Kristen Wiig's just getting annoyed about it. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, can you guys stop talking about Lord of the Rings and go fuck somebody? Um, <laughs> They're like, no, we cannot. <laughs> and we've tried. <laughs> and also, it's kind of funny, though, that they're doing that while Sean Bean is there. And yeah, and like it's it's not only that he was in because they're not even just like refer, referencing like you know Return of the King or something like that. That's true. They're referencing the thing that he was directly in a part yeah. of. Yeah. And like he's an important part of the Council of Elrond, you know? Yeah. So yeah exactly. it, was, it was very fun. I wonder uh, if like I wonder I would like to see like some behind the scenes during filming for that part because like I don't know I don't know just feel like Sean Bean might be like I was in there and they're like we know <laughs> and that's why we're doing it yeah it's um, a joke get it and he's like oh I didn't get it I love that everybody's mean to Sean Bean <laughs> in the in this scenario go to hell hey, Sean Bean hey dumbass just say the line how come your name is Sean Bean and not Sheen Bond. <laughs> Or Sheen Bean, or Sean Bond. What? What? Uh, why don't you change your name to Sean Lima? Um, <laughs> what's no. your What's your What's Stop. your middle name? Kidney? No. <laughs> it's like when the dog makes on the rug. No, John. <laughs> I rank that joke as bad. Yeah. So we'll probably. Everybody else listening to this, um, yeah. But so, I have to say, I hate this exposition with Donald Glover. Yeah, I just, I absolutely hate it. I love Donald Glover, but this is dumb. There is no fucking way that the director of NASA doesn't understand what is what is being talked about here. You know, mm -hmm. the slingshot maneuver around the Earth. Like, this was actually explained to audiences in Apollo thirteen. We're gonna slingshot around the moon and get back, right? We use the gravity of the celestial object to make us go faster. We got it. I just, like, I just, I am imagining in real life this fucking guy going into a meeting with the director of NASA and taking, and taking his pen and being like, look, see the pen? That's like the spaceship, okay? <laughs> and then this, let's pretend this is Earth. Okay, I'm going to go around it. I'm going to walk around it, and we do this, and see how it went a little bit faster. They'd be like, hey, can you pack your fucking bags? Go, <laughs> go pack up your office, because you're fucking done here. Because, uh, you know, that was condescending, if nothing else. And uh, <laughs> exactly. your, 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 uh, your impersonation was, like, weirdly accurate to how Donald Glover played it. It was very strange. <laughs> Kind of a bizarre scene in general. But it was very point. weird. So, and honestly, so that scene I hated, but then like Mark Watney talking about what the plan is, mm -hmm. you know, and he's, he's like, so I guess, so they're going to fire me through the rocket and then I guess they catch me. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, great. And yes, that's exactly what they do. Weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know now they're so Jeff Dan I actually sort of understand where Jeff Daniels is coming from on this where he's like I don't want like 10 dead astronauts when I I have one potentially mm -hmm. um and I also get where Sean Bean's character is coming from where he's like but they should have the option to choose you know 
What I will say, though, is that I'm not sure they should have the option to choose because they're not the directors of NASA or whatever, you know? Like, not everybody gets to choose. That's true. That's a good point. And it's not, I know it's not like a military organization exactly, but like, you know, like, you can't just be like, nope, we're doing this, director of NASA. And he goes, well, I guess you're doing it then. Yeah, but I, any, for me. And, you know, like the decision that they make, which is essentially mutiny, right, mm -hmm. is... I sort of i don't know that i buy that it would have been such a quick like yeah well let's do it you know mm -hmm. i also think that i don't know i mean i just can't imagine missing that much time on my kid's life mm -hmm. what martinez and vogel mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm conflating here because vogel is like the asshole german and bridge of spies <laughs> so, <laughs> I might no, that's who it was <laughs> it was vogel right yeah, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. The German guy mm -hmm. in, in this movie and not the Nazi. You're not like the 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 communist from East Germany. He might be a Nazi communist, but that would be it would be beside the point. Yeah. Sort of very different ends of the spectrum, but still dictatorships. <laughs> um but eh, same difference. <laughs> uh Anyway, yeah, I just felt like I think there would be more discussion than that. But obviously, it's a movie. You can't have that much discussion about it. So I, that's fine. But um, I, I, at this point, I'm like wondering, I'm like, are we are we at the point of the movie now where things are just going to like they're going to go right? Like, do we have to continue having things go wrong for Mark Before that he has Mark to figure it? Yeah. yeah. And then he talks about being a pirate, which the pirate explanation fantastic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i absolutely love that part and uh you know and we all sort of know this throughout the film but the line where he's like i'm the first person to be alone on an entire planet mm -hmm. that's a cool line yeah it really puts into perspective how that would actually feel yeah you know, because like you said we do know that but like it's the it's the plot of the movie but you know a whole yeah. planet like jeez yeah, it's really, it's crazy. So now we're talking about like, oh, okay, we're going to have to, we're going to have to make the rocket go faster. So we're going to take all this weight off. And uh, it's like, are you fucking kidding me with this? Yeah. And, and he goes, they're talking about like um, him being the fastest. They're trying to hype him up for it by telling him he's the uh, going to be the fastest man in the history of space travel. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah, because you're launching me in a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also enjoy that he's like, you know, they're just saying that to me because they think that I'll like it. And I do like it. I like yeah. it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't you know, it does work. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. But I'm not going to tell them that. Yep. Um, so now we're going to see him without like... A shirt on and stuff and i'm wondering like why is he so bruised up mm -hmm. i mean i yeah. get that he's basically been starving for like a year and he, he has accidents but has he had accidents lately <laughs> he's still farming um no that was that was my only assumption was uh um malnutrition i, I think you can bruise from that because I don't know why now that I, I said it out loud and then I stopped knowing. So Actually, just... I think I looked this up because of this. And I think you're right, is that, that 
um, bruising happens when you're malnourished. So that probably mm. is what, what they're showing. So it's actually probably fairly accurate. I just thought it was strange. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, first world problems, right? What does yeah. malnourished look like? <laughs> I don't know those symptoms. Yeah, I'm... I am the opposite of malnourished. Um, I'm, I'm nourished. quite nourished. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes they tell me to stop eating because no, you're nourished. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> now they're saying he's going to pull twelve G's here. That's fucking mm. crazy. That's so many G's. Seems like too many G's. It really does, and it's no wonder that he passes out. Yeah, I don't know much about G's, but uh, it just feels like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because like in Top Gun Maverick, they they, they like, pull nine like G's or something, yeah, like nine that, or right? ten or something like that, and that's like that's like you know the character in the room goes, "That's impossible," right? You know? <laughs> then the other guy says, "No, it's not impossible. We used to pull nine G's on Womp Rats back home." <laughs> um, oh boy, I think that's how that scene went. <laughs> that's exactly how it went. But uh, yeah, so twelve by Mark Hamill. Yeah, and he not only not only that, but like. He uh, is all malnourished and bruised and shit. And he's going to go pull 12 G's or whatever. Go pull 12 G's. Yeah, no problem, this, I this guess. Is fine. Yeah, no worries. Your bones are probably brittle as hell now. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know right if you've had any milk recently or <laughs> osteoporosis is acting up. So now, of course, with all of this, we have what? One last gigantic fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, they can't just like at this point in the movie, it's like, and not because I wanted the movie to end or anything. Well, I, I did a little bit, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but like, I'm like, really? Just, it feels like he's like every next thing is going to be a fucking problem. Like they finally get him on board the spaceship, and they're like, Mark, you're here, and he's gonna fucking like step on a tack or something. He's yeah, like, oh, <laughs> jeez. Oh man, that's, he's actually gonna die from that. He's gonna fall over and be like, "Guys, I'm not." Gonna <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Well, fuck! Should have picked up that tack." Why on earth did we even have a tack on the spaceship? So we get some crazy solutions to this gigantic problem because you know what's one thing that you should always do in space is obviously you fucking set off a bomb. Absolutely. Um, so they're gonna set off a bomb. It's going to so slow him down. The reason I go to space is to set off the bomb. Right. And it's going to slow him down just enough that they'll be slow enough to catch him. But then they're like way too far away. Uh, and so his idea is to be Iron Man. <laughs> to cut, a, cut a hole. Uh, I That's mean, pretty much literally what it is. Is, is the thing. So, all right. It's just, I mean, it's cool, right? It's kind of, it's a fun way to sort of end it. But I'm just like. What the hell? And then she missed him at first. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Makes but I will say that all of this buildup, it, it is very relieving when they finally get him. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at, after, because you know he's going to make it off of Mars, right? Because otherwise this isn't a movie that they make. But, right. like, <laughs> but like, after, like, they kept throwing cur curveballs, and I'm like, are they real? It seems like they're just going to, he's going to die. Cause... Yeah. What the hell? And at a certain point, I don't know. It just gets to be too much. But that's okay. Because he saves. Yay. So so now we're going to get this weird exposition at the end. Right? 
where they're mm-hmm. like, okay, they're going to go to the next mission to Mars. And what the fuck is Martinez going again? Doesn't he have a kid? I know. He's talking about how he's got a, he, I don't know, four-year-old. I, and I'm not sure. What I Martinez bet his wife is. divorced him. Well, yeah, I would too. And like, I don't know how Martinez's math is, but like, oh, I, I kind of wonder about this four-year-old or whatever. Yeah. He's like, he's, I don't really like kids. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the Winter Soldier gets married to Kate Mara and saved Iron's, Iron Man's life. So that's the opposite of how it worked in the movie. <laughs> and Kate Mara was a fantastic four. She was the invisible woman, right? Well, I wish that whole movie had been invisible. Yeah. Well, so here's the weird thing. I remember watching that in the theater, and I remember being like, this is fine. But you know, it's one of those things where you're like, it's like 4% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. It was like terrible score. Yeah. And you're like, well, this is going to be awful. And you go in and you be like, well, this wasn't like the worst thing ever. What, what was, you know, why does everybody give it such terrible ratings? But I wonder if I had gone to see it without seeing that, if I'd have been like, wow, this is bad, you know? It was almost reverse, you know, like low. Ex- Maybe it was like low expectations, so it's slightly better. Right. I was going to say reverse high expectations, and I realize it's just low expectations. <laughs> reverse high. Um, That's and a we way also, to say that, I guess. And we also find out that Mark Watney is now like a teacher, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> and then it ends. So, uh, I feel like it could have just ended when they got him. Personally. Yeah, we didn't need the, ex- the, the, we didn't need the, the, I didn't care up. that he became a teacher. You know? I will say, at least they didn't write it and make us read. Mark Watney later became a teacher. That's true. That's true. A teacher or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, that's the whole movie. You got that's... the movie overview done. So now, Lyndon, what are we doing next? Oh, wait. Well, I think it's funny because he doesn't say the rank he says oh rank <laughs> that's actually way better he's I got like excellent instincts this kid <laughs> well now we're on to the rank where we rank the movie based on 10 categories story acting originality film coherence cinematography score slash soundtrack script structure and dialogue character relatability production value and timelessness now for this ranking um we're doing a scale of one to ten one being the worst ten being the best and uh, we start with story, and I'll start. I gave story a 9.75. Ooh, pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I actually think the story is excellent. We're, we're in a world where we have manned missions to Mars. Something goes wrong, and they have to abort, but one is left behind and stranded. That's the setup, but basically it's a survival story through ingenuity, quick wits, and perseverance. I mean, it's just it's excellent. I really, I really like the story. I'm just glad that in the future you can abort. I'm worried about that. <laughs> Oh but uh, I, I gave the story an eight for pretty similar reasons. Um, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's by the numbers, but it's a little bit by the numbers because like, as far as it being a movie where there is, where there are technical problems and there are setbacks and things go wrong and then we see them fix them. It's kind of wrote in that way. And that it can be about, it doesn't need to be about being on Mars. You know what I mean? It can just be any kind of technical problems and then we see them fix it. But it was still well done for being a bit rope in that way. Okay, I can see that. Well, so the next category is originality. What do you have for that? Or no, it's not. It's acting. What do you have for that one? 
for acting, I gave it an eight because the acting was all very solid. I mean, Damon was good enough that you don't mind watching him for two hours. Um, and everybody else was perfectly believable, I suppose. Um, yeah, I struggled to find anybody who wasn't perfectly fine. So actually saying that out loud, it feels a bit like not eight worthy, but um, I thought there was enough good stuff there to definitely warrant a good, a good grade. Well, I, th I think when you consider the fact that most of the movie is Matt Damon, right? Mm -hmm. And he's by himself and he's very good. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that elevates the score in and of itself, right? Yeah, and everybody else just being fine. Right, like exactly. Perfect, they're perfectly, they're Oscar Peterson-esque, you might say. Yeah, I, so I gave it an eight as well, actually. We we haven't mentioned that reference yet. I don't think because this is going to be before. So cut that out. But uh, no, but I, I actually just realized that there is one performance that I did not care for at all, but it was not a big enough deal to really knock it off being an eight too much. Is it Donald Glover? We're Donald Glover. Sorry, yeah. Donald Glover. And not, yeah. only, not only is Donald Glover likable and good, he is a good actor, and this, this part somehow made him into not likable, not good. So I don't really know how that worked. I know. I, I like, I really don't even, it's like, I don't even want to talk about it because I feel bad to do it. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I really do not like that part Yeah, for him. Um, but yeah, I, I gave it an eight out also. And I really think it, it boils down to um, how great Matt Damon was in this. Mm -hmm. um, I, I basically thought actually what I wrote was I, I thought Matt Damon was excellent, and I basically thought everyone else was adequate. So mm, there you go. Pretty, we're, we're pretty much in line there. Um, I will say, I think sometimes they were trying to be too pithy or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like, I don't know, like, it felt forced sometimes. Like, okay, we don't all need to be a jokester, you know? Yeah, and some of the actors pulled it off better than others. So Yeah. Because yeah. like, you have Kristen Wiig, and then you have, uh, I don't know, Chibatel IG4 was good, but like, Maybe, I don't know. Most of them were pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. I just felt like okay. Yeah, we get it. Um, I still thought. I mean, I thought it was really good, you know, as evidenced by the fact that I gave it an eight. But I think it just seemed like everyone was trying too hard or something sometimes. And I, I did think Sean Bean was really good, um, and Michael Pena and Jessica Chastain. I thought they were all really. Good. I, I actually, I thought that. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's tough. I guess they're. I, I did. I really thought they were all better than average. Yeah. You know, not spectacular, but definitely better than average. Anyway, all right, let's move on to the next category, which is originality. And for that, I gave a nine and a half. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing I think of is Apollo 13, right? Mm -hmm. And it is pretty similar to Apollo 13, but it's on Mars, you know? It just it feels different, um, and and like more than that one was, you know. You know why? Because he's got to survive for an amount of time, rather than like we need to get him home right now. Right. Exactly. Um, so we had to actually like live. And you know, I, I think you know to continue the comparison between Apollo thirteen. What's really interesting is that Apollo thirteen <laughs> is a true story, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie feels like a true story. Yeah, they keep it very grounded in that one. Yeah, which I 
I think it's kind of incredible when you're considering that it's a story about somebody who lives on Mars and you just, you feel the whole time, like this is a plausible story, mm -hmm. which seems crazy because it's on fucking Mars, you know? Yeah. I kind of um, thought it was supposed to take place in exactly the present day though. So, I mean, I, I mean, I bought the fact is what I'm trying to say that, right. That it could have been something that happened last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not on Mars, but like if we had just had decided to be, Right, exactly. Well, okay, so what do you have for originality? For originality, I went with seven and a half for reasons I don't remember, so I'll have to make them up. <laughs> um, unless you remember what I said. You're going you're gonna to have to make them up. <laughs> okay, I'll have to make them up then. No, you, you touched on Apollo 13. That, that was in the back of my head the entire time because I really love that movie, and I think that that sets like possibly the gold standard for things going wrong and watching smart people solve problems. I've seen people on the internet mention that's why they like things like, say, Star Trek Next Generation, where it's just, they're competent and there are problems, but they solve them. And it's not like, there's no, like, this problem is stems from the fact that I'm an idiot or I refuse to communicate with this person. Oh, that's you know? a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that, but that that is a really good, um, yeah. It's fun. Point. It feels real because, like, I mean, I'm sure they let dumb people in the space program, but I feel like not many, probably. More of them are competent than not, I would imagine. That's, right. But, uh, yeah, so I just kind of... Maybe it's not fair to just constantly compare it to Apollo 13, but they did make a movie about problems in space. So... Yeah. I mean, I feel but, like it's the most obvious comparison, so... Yeah, and I kind of mentioned with Story that it's a fairly by-the-numbers example of... Of people solving problems, movie, but oh well. <laughs> well, well, let's get on to the next category. The next category is film coherence. So, what do you have for that one? For that one, I have a nine because uh, it was fairly tight. Um, I might have gotten rid of some of the problems at the end, like like we touched on. Just <laughs> it was one fucking thing after another, and it, like while he's on Mars for the bulk of it, it's like. Okay, I buy that eventually this would go wrong and this would go wrong and you're gonna you're gonna encounter issues here. People are not meant to live on Mars, Elon. But um <laughs> but at the end it they just it comes so fast and loose with all the fucking issues. Like Martin, like they just like I'm surprised they didn't forget to open the door and like he slams into the side of the spaceship. <laughs> like long like like he's a wild e. coyote or something. Um The door won't open, it's jammed. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Oh, it's just locked. Okay, it's just done. Or it's, yeah. it's counterclockwise, not clockwise. Okay, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> what I was just saying. Oh, or just, oh, film coherence. No, but yeah, they. You know, Ridley Scott always does a good job with this. Like, you know, what is? I don't think I've seen a movie of his that was incoherent. Yeah, that's true. Um, I will say though, I gave a lower score than you. I gave a seven and a half. Oh, so this is actually like kind of the reverse of our originality scores. Exactly. Um. So here's my reasoning. I think there's actually quite a bit of extraneous dialogue and exposition. Mm -hmm. um, it just felt like this movie was longer than it needed to be. You know, that's all to say that I, you know, I obviously really enjoyed it. And I, I remember seeing it in the theater and really enjoying it. I bought it because I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't really need it to be changed, I guess, but I just think it's weak in this category. Mm -hmm. um, for one thing, we have an extraneous character. I mean, it's he, Donald Glover's character is completely superfluous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, I was happy to see him. I'm glad he got paid for the role, but like, um, what was he doing there? You could have pretty much done away with his scenes and it would have been about the same, you know, yeah. like maybe, maybe the crew could have had the thought to slingshot around the earth and then go back and get Watney, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like pitch that to the yeah. flight captain guy, Sean Bean. I don't know. I hate to say that, but I just, I felt like he was, he was wasted in this movie. That's, mm -hmm. We've mentioned that several times. No, you're but that's, yeah, that's my that's my thing. I feel like there was too much exposition and uh, a character that did not need to be there. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let's go on to the next category, which is cinematography. What do you? Uh, and I gave that a nine point three. I just I thought it was often very beautiful, you know. Um, it kind of reminded me of the beauty of the Mad Max cinematography because of the desert. Mm -hmm. um, I was at times mesmerized by it. Um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> I just, it felt very like clean and crisp and, and yeah, crisp, you know, what, what do you have for cinematography? Um, I went a little lower than you in an eight, but I feel very similarly. Everything was. I, I thought the, the the visual choices were very effective. Like you said, the, the the crispness you mentioned that was that was kind of noticeable. It felt I don't know. It really kind of highlighted a lot of the scenery and everything like that. I know it's not real scenery; it's just sand. But <laughs> this is Anakin Skywalker's least favorite movie. But uh, <laughs> no, excellent work. Uh, you know, they they would show the Martian. You know. Fucking sunset, I don't know, and you know, the skyline or whatever. And I, I kept going like, "Wow, Mars is a beautiful place," which obviously it isn't. But well, it, I'm sure it looks beautiful. You know, once you maybe get past to live there, there, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well, the next category is score slash. It. I don't. This is such a tough one. Mm -hmm. Score slash soundtrack so what do you have for that i gave that one an eight again for reasons i don't remember so let me just make it up so because um i didn't notice it too much we've sort of talked about this we kind of like only give it a particularly good score if it's either like really noticeable and we liked it a lot or if it was just fine because we didn't notice it that's how i feel about this one it was effective. It felt like an umpire. You know, I didn't notice it, so it probably did its job perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I so I gave it a six and a half. Um, and maybe I was being too tough on it, but it felt weird that the soundtrack basically consisted of a type of music that they made fun of throughout the whole movie. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Um, you know, the score was decent, though. Like, kept you in it and for the most part for the most part reinforced the feeling they were looking for with you know desolation mm -hmm. and or hope depending on where we were in the in the movie but yeah i don't know it, it didn't really do much for me so but yeah, anyway, that is, no that is really funny i was just i i forgot to mention it during while we were talking about it the, the story but like they they're like oh disco sucks i hate disco ha here listen to nothing but disco like <laughs> What the hell? We could have at least skipped the actual songs. Like we could have just said, "Oh, he listens to disco a lot." Move on. I mean, it was a fun scene when he was like, you know, 
No, no, I will not turn the beat around. I refuse. <laughs> or whatever. Yes, but again, but but they made us listen to to turn the beat around is the problem. But. Yeah, I know. It's weird. And I don't have any particular like hatred towards disco. And mm. my dad heard that he'd be upset because I know he hates disco. Um, but you know, I'm, I don't know. It's just like doesn't make me want to listen to it when you're like this movie. This music is shit. You know. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, the next one is script structure and dialogue. What do you have for that one? That one I gave a seven. Um, partly because, sorry, I'm trying to like think what the hell I gave it <laughs> a seven for. I basically actually know. So the next uh, is script structure and dialogue, the next category. And mm -hmm. I gave that a 7.6. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had a tr I had trouble with this category. I, I enjoyed a lot about it, but it just felt too like explainy to me. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I get that this is like difficult subject matter, um, but if it, but I feel like they they didn't need to dumb it down as much as they did. Yeah. You know? Like they, could, I just I feel like there are things that didn't need to be explained to us. Yeah. Because and and not because like oh. You know the the audience is smart enough to know i'm not even saying that because like mm -hmm. you know i'm sure a lot of people didn't understand parts of it but i think sometimes you go to a movie and you're just like smart people made smart decisions and figured out smart ways to figure things out <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean yeah like i don't i don't need to know why it worked just that yeah. it worked you know um and it's not everything was that way but it just felt like uh i don't know they had too much of it or something. I, I don't yeah. know. This movie made a ton of money, so maybe they know better than I do. So. Yeah, I would imagine they do know better than you do. Not because you don't, but, you know, you haven't made all that many high-grossing movies. Right, right. As soon as you get a little bit more experience under your belt, you'll be right there. I, but, I, would, I would love to get some experience under my belt in that uh, regard. I would but I, personally, cool. I do know more than them because I'm a very smart boy. Um, and I also gave script and screenwriting and story, whatever dialogue and structure. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> they uh, no, I gave it a similar score to you. I gave it a seven, so even a little bit less. So we're pretty uh, close on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, the same. It was functional enough in like the structure of the story. We already talked about that. Um, again, it it felt almost clumsy to me the way that they kind of just kept throwing things at the ending like we need more problems there's not enough tension like what and then uh kind of the similar the script issues that you were talking about and you mentioned it before everybody having to be pithy and funny it felt like one of those marvel movies that doesn't quite hit because everybody's making the exact same one-liners um you can kind of tell exactly what andy weir's sense of humor is because everybody has his sense of humor he wrote he wrote a movie or he wrote a book i presume and then they adapted it into a movie where everybody makes the exact jokes that he makes so right but not like the end of the world especially that's all stuff that's fairly easy to look past and sort of just enjoy the ride but you're right it is interesting though i hadn't really thought of that before but basically every character has the same sense of humor mm -hmm. <laughs> which is that's right real life. life yeah yeah <laughs> um but anyway, so the next category is character relatability. So what do you have for that one? That one I gave it eight and a half. I thought they did a good job of putting you in the position where I'm not a smart NASA guy. 
I, uh, like you said, would die immediately if I was on that situation on Mars, not just because I uh, have no will to live, but because I uh, don't know anything about growing potatoes or anything. So, And yet, combination of the the good filmmaking and the acting, I felt like, you know, I can sort of, like, they did actually explain a lot of things in a way that felt like, okay, I can see where this is going. I can see how that works. That doesn't feel like too sci-fi an explanation, etc. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you and I feel very similarly on this category because I gave it a nine. Um, I actually found the characters to be very relatable. Matt Damon's portrayal of Mark Watney was very well done to the point mm -hmm. that you can relate so strongly to someone who is stranded on Mars, mm -hmm. which seems like a pretty unrelatable experience, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually felt like the director of NASA, the flight director, and the crew were really relatable as well. I just felt like most of the characters in here were done in a way that you can relate to all of their experiences, you know, mm -hmm. for the most part. Where, like, even though the experience wouldn't be something you would normally, the typical person, you know, if the director of NASA is listening to this, like, obviously this doesn't apply to you. But the typical person isn't going to understand that type of a situation or relate to it. But mm -hmm. it's presented in a way where you're like, okay, I can see why, I can see why he wouldn't want to be like, send his astronauts back. He'd want to get them home safe. Um, mm -hmm. all that means one might die, right? Um, so anyway, I, I, I found them to be relatable is what I'm getting at. So <laughs> long, long story short, they were relatable. Right. <laughs> so the next category is production value. And I gave that a 9.85. And I mean, $108 million budget, you know, it better be pretty darn good, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. I, I don't think it disappointed me. Um, I would say that the only reason I didn't give this a 10 is because the JPL nondescript warehouse scenes felt like they were kind of eh, you know? Yeah. Um, I know that was kind of the point, but it still felt like it could have been done a little bit better. Uh, I know it's nitpicky, but like when we're getting close to a 10, I think we need to be nitpicky, right? Yeah. Um, and uh but yeah i mean i i loved the the way the spaceship looked um you know and what three thousand whatever it was metric tons of sand into mm -hmm. a studio set in hungary i mean that's that's pretty impressive production value but what say you what do you have no to that end i gave it a nine and a half uh nine and a half yeah i thought i read my handwriting i said prediction and i was like i'm not predicting anything but uh he, but uh no, excellent, excellent work. Everything, like, you know, it's, I, I don't know, it's it's a combination of, it feels like it should be easy to make the surface of Mars believable since it's just a wasteland, but actually was probably quite challenging in a lot of ways, and they did an excellent job of it. Yeah, well, That's so the next... All I got. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> um, so the next... Sorry, I'm laughing because I know that the 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 it's all I got is like I don't know what else to fucking say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So the next category is timelessness, which is probably the hardest category for us. But uh, what what do you have for that one? I gave that one an eight. Um, again, I'm trying to make up stuff. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, as far as this sort of movie guys I've, I've said a couple of times that this is a type of movie 
that we've you know we've talked about it being a problem solving movie almost kind of your puzzle game version of a movie um and as far as that goes i think it's the sort of thing people are going to continue enjoying it's i foresee this being the sort of thing when it sh shows up on tnt people going oh hey i like the martian and they leave it on which is exactly what happened with apollo 13 movies like that for me so that's yeah that's a good point if we still have TNT in 10 years. I'm sure, I'm sure we won't. I just mean, <laughs> I mean the, the channel that I watch, uh, Apollo 13 and Forrest Gump on any time that they were on when I was a kid. Yeah, Not that. I, I, <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. I do. I do. I th and I agree with you. I actually gave it a nine, which I think oh, is okay. might be the highest timelessness score I've given so far. Let's yeah, maybe. I actually, so it's interesting. I don't know that the timelessness ranking for me on this one relates to how good it is as much mm -hmm. as how it's the blockbuster status of the movie yeah. that i think uh helps it in its timelessness so i think that people will be going back to this movie for years and years especially whenever we actually send a man mission to mars this will be the movie that people come back to you know mm -hmm. often. and um it's like uh i'm trying to think of a, a good correlation so one could say that 2001 and space odyssey is is a timeless movie mm -hmm. right but it's not timeless to the masses right yeah. it's timeless to art nerds yeah most people haven't seen it <laughs> right um whereas this movie i think will end up being timeless to the masses mm -hmm. so that's why i get i went with nine now is that masses on earth or on mars uh only on Mars. Only on Mars. Okay. It'll be a hundred percent viewed on Mars. And um, but the thing is, is that since like, did you know Matt Damon was here once? <laughs> this is a historical document. <laughs> the documentary. But since it's on Mars, actually, the masses will be less because there's less right. gravity there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Thirty-eight <laughs> percent. Um. Once again, let's move on. So. Well, that, to move on, that is the rank. We have finished it, and I'm sure you'd like to know where it ended up. Yeah, it sounded like we gave it pretty good scores, but I'm not sure it's quite Brooklyn level. Well, you're right that it is not Brooklyn level. It's also not Bridge of Spies level or Mad Max Fury Road level, Goodness. but it did get past the big short. It ended up at 167.5, which moved the big short to last. Well, kept the big short and last. Which I feel like is a disservice to the Big Short. Sorry, Big Short. It was really it is. good. We kind of, we kind of, we kind of gave it a Big Short. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's funny to think of it's our least favorite movie from this year, but oh, <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, it's not that far ahead of it. It's like yeah, it's like two one point nine five points ahead of it. Um, I'm sure that makes Adam McKay feel better. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> um, but yeah, so not not the best movie of uh 2015 it will not be end up being the best best picture nominee of all time mm -hmm. but still pretty good i think um yeah, we'll do. but yeah so let's let uh, thank everybody for listening um and if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings you can see that on our website at the rank with john and zach.com uh you can Check us out next week when we're ranking The Revenant, the 2015 Best Picture nominee starring Leonardo DiCaprio, directed by Alejandro Inarritu. Uh, so goodbye, everyone. I guess it's time for me to launch.